0: Buon mattina tutti. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. And I say buon mattina because that means good morning. And we're recording this episode early Monday morning, Labor Day here in America, but it's raining here, so we're doing it now. And we're having are cappuccinos made with Lavazza coffee. That that sounds like we're sponsored by Lavazza, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> we're not, but no. maybe we should be. No, it's just, just really good. And the little jolt it gives us helps right. us produce these episodes, obviously. <laughs> I'm calling Lavazza when we hang up here, <laughs> but when we finish. All right, before we
0: start, we want to share a funny story about our little island of Jamestown, the newspaper, the local newspaper here, they wrote an article about Kimberly's Italy podcast and my travel planning. And it's Karina and funny. Tomasa, tell them what happened.
1: So I was giving blood uh, a few months ago at a volunteer fire department. They reached out and asked for people to give blood. And uh, right across the street is the office of our local newspaper, the Jamestown Press. And we've been thinking for some time that hey this is an interesting concept that you know what we've been doing here started during covid and uh i walked in and spoke to the editor and told him about our podcast and that we produced in this little island and how has global reach at that point it was only i think 96 countries now we're 99. 99 trying to hit triple digits hello <laughs> anyway uh he thought it was interesting so he had a journalist call us so we explained our podcast history over the past year and a half. Well, the article was published this week and the accompanying <laughs> photo was one that they pulled off our website without sort of asking or, you know, thinking, re- about, thinking it. about it, and uh, it was a photo of Kimberly and a waiter in Amalfi.
0: <laughs> in, wow. in a very clearly a, a waitstaff, kind of a formal waitstaff outfit.
1: Anyway, they claimed that it was Kimberly and myself. But the man was clearly a formal waitstaff and uh, in waitstaff attire. So you can imagine the amount of texts I got <laughs> saying I picked up a second. I mean, there is a shortage of waitstaff on Jamestown. And um, all I'm, over the world. All over the world. But I'm just sort of wondering, you know, if, if I should take a job now. That uh...
0: One friend texted him and said, hey, there's a big maitre d' uh, position available at the Clark Cook House in Newport. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is the best place. Right. So it was very funny, I have to say. And it was a very nice article, full page article. Not that the Jamestown Press is like the size of the, the New York Times. It's a little little newspaper, but it's full page. Very nice, very well, nice well written. But our friends got a good laugh out of it. And I keep thinking the people on this island that do not know us, would think that Tommaso
1: has a very quirky sense of fashion. <laughs> fashion style. Likes vests. Right. And you're going to take that paper, I believe you're going to... Yes,
0: I am going to the exact same hotel in Amalfi in a month and a half from now, staying there for a few days, and I'm taking the paper, and I hope that same man is there. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> He's British. It was brilliant. Allora, our last episode finished with the village of Foligno in Umbria. And as we promised, we're heading south and the village that's up first is called Montefalco. The teeny town of Montefalco is, in one word, idyllic. And I know I use that word a lot, I'm sorry, but in this case, it fits perfectly. This walled city is like the rest of its neighbors in Umbria, just smaller. It's teeny. And it actually has remnants of a few walls, few, you know, defensive walls. So that right there is unique in its own right. Its main piazza is also circular. So you know when you're in the oldest part of the village where so many people have gathered over the centuries. And I think having lunch al fresco in this circular main piazza of Montefalco is just the best thing to do. Maybe actually even better would be having dinner there at night because you know how they light these buildings so well all over Italy. They light the exterior so well and you get the visual of everything. But if you sit outside and have dinner in this main Piazza of of Montefalco, looking around, you should think about what it was like in the 14th century when this village was at its height perhaps but the difference is you also should realize that you're so much luckier than those people in the 14th century because as you sit there in the very comfortable chair instead of like a straight back wood thing from the 12th 13th century you have your long lingering meal in a comfortable chair you have ice cubes in your glass of <laughs> aperol spritz and as romantic as torches might have been In the 12th, 13th century, instead, you get to look at this beautiful village with that awesome exterior lighting I'm speaking about. So go to Monte Falco and have dinner. Is it circular like Luca? Just the main piazza. The main piazza. Luca itself as a city is circular. Right. But the main piazza of Monte Falco, Monte Falco is so teeny. And so when you get to that little little, uh, circular piazza, you're like, okay, I'm in the heart of it. The oldest part. It could probably fit inside Luca. Oh, 10 times. Okay. <laughs> 50 times. It's <laughs> okay. teeny. Okay. And Montefalco uh, Tommaso has several churches in its small footprint, but I oh, am joy. not going there. <laughs> okay. I am saving my allotted church talk time <laughs> for future episodes, including Spiletta, which I'm talking about next. I do want to share with you, however, that Montefalco was initially called... Its name of the village was initially called Cocorone. However, in the ninth century, Duke Frederick of Swabia visited this village. Hold on, Tom. Tomaso's looking at me like, What? (laughs) Swabia, right? (laughs) Hold on.
1: Sounds like a q tip.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's. Oh, my gosh. Duke Frederick. Frederick of Swabia visited the village and noticed all the falcons, and they're in the mountains, right? This village is up in the mountains. So he noticed all these falcons and just decided he should be the one to change the name from Cocorone to Montefalco.
1: He should have started with his his Swabia first before he (laughs) would
0: change the name. Okay,
1: so for those of you
0: like Tommaso that's wondering where was Swabia, it was a duchy in medieval Germany. And I had to look that up. Okay. I had never heard of it either. Thank you. So, and also I'll extend the history lesson class right now. Those of you that don't know what a duchy means simply refers to the territory of a duke or duchess. So the Duke of Swabia came down, saw this village and said, I love it, but I'm changing the name to Monte Falco, a mountain with falcons. Okay. Pretty cool. Right. Monte Falco, in my opinion, is totally worth a visit. And you can just go since it's so teeny for a half day or just like the lunch or dinner I mentioned. But now that you know the history of this teeny, teeny little old place, just go and walk around and think about all the people that were there before. Marvel about the fact that it still most likely looks like it did in the 12th, 13th and 14th century again, like all these other villages that we're discussing in Umbria, they are so well-preserved and the townspeople and their little local governments make it a point to keep it that way. You can have graffiti like all over Milano as you saw your first time there. Right, right. You can have garbage all over the south of some parts of Italy. And yet these villages in Umbria in particular are so well-preserved. I swear you feel like you're in that century it was from. It's a it's a beautiful thing. Okay, and then finally, before we move on to Spoleto, I have to say, just to the west of Monte Falco is a village called Bastardo. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Bastardo because I've never been there, but I just want you to know there's a village called
1: Bastardo. Is this is this the episode of exotic names? No, Swabia <laughs> and Bastardo.
0: It's just a swear name that we know of. That's a village. But I personally have very fond memories of the word bastardo. And that comes from my days in Milan. And I swear, every single apartment I lived in, which was many over my six years in Milano, always seemed to have some issues with plumbing. Never electrical or whatnot, structural, nothing, just plumbing. So every single plumber, I have to get in touch with the you know, landlord or the owner, and they'd give me the name of the plumber or they'd call and the plumber would show up. He'd check into the issue and two minutes into it, he'd say, bastardo, bastardo. I was like, oh, not good. I was just used to it. And I thought that must be their go-to phrase because every single plumber would look at these situations, go, bastardo, except (laughs) for my very last apartment. And Uh, The apartment above mine had uh, the people left their kitchen sink running and it was stopped up, you know, deliberately to like wash dishes or whatnot. And they left the water running for the whole long religious holiday weekend and they forgot. So their apartment totally flooded through the floors, wood floors into mine. And it was a mess. So that landlord called the plumber and he came over and took one look at all my ceilings and the whole apartment and he said <laughs> porca putana <laughs> after a few bastardos <laughs> so i'm not even going to i don't even have to explain what porca putana means right you can figure that out <laughs> mhm
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> anyway so i just wanted to share there's a village named pork
1: uh no no there's for. no no pork there is <laughs> there is we got the, the in triplicate here There's a
0: village village called Bastardo next to Monte Falco. And that was how this long, you know, tangent came about. Okay. (laughs) All right. Next up to the village called Spoleto. And what a dream it is. Yet another perfectly preserved medieval city, but it's high up on a hill and it's very wooded up there. So as you're driving towards Spoleto, you cannot miss it you know, the light stone village and a massive fortress above. So it's hard to miss and definitely has to be on your list. So regarding that fortress above the village of Spoleto, sometimes they refer to these fortezas, which is the Italian word for fortress, as a roca instead of forteza. And in this case, above Spoleto, the fortress is called, I'm only going to say this word once, <laughs> It's a tongue twister, Roca Albornaziona. Okay, got it, everybody?
1: Roca Albornaziona. Ziana. Ziana. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, it is also from the 14th century, this Roca, and I think you can only visit with a guided tour. I have not been into it myself because I was so consumed with the village of Spoleto, but apparently... It should be beautiful. There are six towers and it's massive. It it looks like it was made for a movie set and it's high above this village. It's just very imposing and impressive. And the reason this Roca Albornoz, Albornoziana...
1: <laughs> you just you're just short. Roca. Roca.
0: From this Roca above Spoleto is one of the most significant architectural feats of the area, and it's called Ponte del Torri, which means the Bridge of the Towers. I'm sure all engineering and architectural students around the world have studied this bridge and one similar to it. It was probably built, they say, around 1350 A.D. on top of the remains of a Roman aqueduct, and its purpose was to connect this fortress, this Roca above Spileto to another smaller one called Monte Luco, above this gorge. And it also transported water, just like the original Roman aqueducts. You cannot miss this imposing bridge from afar because, first of all, it's made of that light-colored limestone, which obviously has darkened over the years. and has these nine pillars with arches between them supporting the bridge. And sadly, it was damaged in 2016 when they had an earthquake, but not as brutally as the one from 1997 that really, really damaged Assisi and the Basilica of St. Francis. But you can now walk over this bridge, as millions of people have done in the eighth century since it was built, and its highest point, you look down the gorge to 300 feet below. And I keep thinking about that gorge in Vermont where my parents lived right how how many feet do you think that was not even 100
1: i don't remember
0: so but think of that on top of this bridge from 1350 ad and you're staring down it's still standing perfectly even after an earthquake and
1: well, it well think of the Newport bridge that's 207 or 210 feet
0: Oh mio, and my a- God! This is a hundred feet taller. Yeah, yikes! Into a gorge, it's stunning.
1: Yeah. And and the Newport Bridge, when you drive over it, the view is amazing. And it's only two thirds of the height of of this right. bridge. Right, and
0: the the view from here is all of the mountains of Umbria. Right, oh, Umbria, Umbria. <laughs> Umbria. This is Jeez Louise tongue twister episode. Spileto, like many of these Italian villages, still has the defensive wall around it and the lower part of the original wall, you know, like from your knees down basically is from the sixth century BC. And if you think that's old, the village itself was first settled around 240 BC and the Romans called it Spoletium, which is Roman, excuse me, which is Latin, Latin. And I'm not, Exactly sure how to pronounce that. It might have been Spiletium or Spiletium. I don't know my Latin pronunciation.
1: Well, my years as an alt boy, I would say it's Spiletium. Okay. Wow. What a background. <laughs> it's a long time ago, me. And here I go. I
0: get to talk about the Duomo since I, I need to do this to continually earn my nickname, my moniker of the church Lady. And the real reason I want to talk about the Duomo in Spoleto is because our good old friend, Bernini, from Rome, he made the marble bust of Pope Urbano the 8th and it's placed right above the main door, and it welcomes you into the Duomo. And this Duomo is from the 12th century, but in during the Renaissance, so like maybe early 1500s, late 1400s, they did a refit. As, Tommaso calls it in the sailing industry, a refit, a remodel, and they used a pink sandstone for the facade. And what's so, to me, spectacular about this very simple facade, it has eight rose windows. And for those of you that don't know what that means, it's carved, you know, the stone is carved into the shape of a rose. Some have glass, colored glass in them, and some do not. Just the air goes through. So these eight roses carved into the pink sandstone are above on the top part of the facade. And above that is a gold, you know, whatever carrot gold they used in those days, mosaic depiction of three religious figures above the largest rose. And that's really odd or not odd. It's unique for a church to have not a painting, but a depiction on the exterior so it's super different and that alone right there makes you think, well, this is going to be interesting. And you walk inside and guess what? Boom. Baroque. <laughs> <laughs> it's this is my this is why I try to push churches because it's like a,
1: Oh, you don't try, you do.
0: Okay. It's like a free museum. You see this facade, an architectural feat, ornamental or plain, whatever it is, from the exterior. And you walk around the whole building because there's a lot going on on these churches architecturally. Then you walk inside and it can be totally different, just like this one. A huge juxtaposition, but there's art and sculpture everywhere. So I really think that's why to go in them. Okay, so that's my travel tip of the day.
1: Thrifty travel tip. Enjoy churches.
0: What'd you say? Say it again.
1: The thrifty travel tip. Enjoy churches. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Oh, I see what you mean, because it's free. It's free. And it's awesome. All right. Another incredible place to see in Spoleto is an ancient house, and it's called Casa Romana, which obviously just means a Roman house, even though it's an Umbria, but everything was under the Roman rule at one point or the other. And the story of this Casa Romana is that the mother of Emperor Vespasian lived there, so they say. And who, you may ask, is Emperor Vespasian?
1: I was just about to, but go ahead, fill me in.
0: He's the man who built the Roman Colosseum, Uh who had it built. Uh He is very... Yeah, he didn't
1: didn't build it. No,
0: but he's very importante (laughs) in in the history of Rome, okay? Of course. So this is what I was thinking. If he, well, he did rule from 69 to 79 AD and he died right as the Colosseum was being finished. So let's say this story is true and his mother lived in this Casa Romana in Spoleto. So that house, this house that you can go in and see is at least from 69 AD old. So you can go into it and it's stunning. All stone, obviously, and those really unique vaulted Ceilings that are, are four-part vaulted, with a thing in the middle that
1: sort of almost finial,
0: like, almost type yeah, thing. like a rosette thing in the rosette, right? Yes, right. And then you can still see frescoes on the bottom of some of the walls from the original dwelling. And here's my favorite: they have this house still has intact the most beautiful mosaic-designed floor. It's all gray and black stone in a geometric floral pattern. It's actually very contemporary and it's perfectly preserved. So you you can't walk on it. They have it roped off, but you walk by it and you look at it and you're like, this is from 69 AD and this was La Casa di la Mamma of the la
1: Casa la
0: Mama. of the dude that was responsible <laughs> for the Roman Colosseum. Right? So I say, go to Casa Romana in Spoleto. Another thing you should definitely see in the village of Spoleto is an exterior Roman amphitheater from the first century. I don't know why I said exterior, because all amphitheaters were exterior in yes. the day, weren't they? They were large and they couldn't be inside. Generally outside. So ignore that. But from the first century, and obviously a lot of the stone has been replaced, but some of it is still the original pieces, and they allow performances to be put on there so you can actually sit on, if you can find like the, the oldest stone, you can sit on the stone seat of a Roman amphitheater from the first century B.C.,
1: Even though it's a stone, there have been a lot of bottoms sitting on there over the centuries, so it's probably nice and smooth.
0: (laughs) That's how you can find the oldest one. Yeah,
1: there's no no ridges (laughs) anymore.
0: As I mentioned, they they have performances from, I think it's like late June to mid-July during this festival called Feste de Due Mondi, which means Festival of Two Worlds. And it's primarily like all the performing arts opera, dance, drama, visual arts. And it's just, I have not been, but apparently it's awesome. And you get to watch one of these performances in this amphitheater. So other than all this ancient history, Spoleto is also full of excellent restaurante, gelateria, and a lot of the craftsmen, local craftsmen sell their goods around the main piazza. And as I said before, it should definitely Spoleto, be on your list for your Umbrian road trip. Okay. Va bene? Va bene. You know, I've done it again. I think I've rambled on too long about just two villages. What time is it? Are we pushing it? You are pushing it. All right. Well, next episode, I will cover the village of Todi, T-O-D-I, which they, the Todi residents, let's call them Todese, I'm not sure. They claim their village is the most beautiful in Umbria, and it is indeed pretty stunning. And I also want to chat about the unbelievably beautiful village of Orvieto, which, by the way, you know what the most important thing is?
1: I'm sure it's a church. The (laughs) Duomo! All
0: right, finally, before we finish, I want to say one thing. Today, we forgot about this. My mom reminded us. Today is our anniversario. Sì. Si? Da 26 anni. <laughs> our anniversary of 26 years. So, Tommaso, buon anniversario.
1: Grazie mi. Buon anniversario. Anche a te. Nah. You say
0: anche a te. Also to you. Anche a te. Amore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Amore. We met 26 years
0: on a labor day. On a labor day. Isn't that funny.
1: On a blind date.
0: Yes. Here we are, 26 years later. E tutto buono. Tutto perfetto. Va bene? Si. Okay, Amici. Va bene. Amici, grazie mille. As usual, thank you for listening. Thank you for getting in touch about travel planning. And we'll be back next week with maybe the final episode on Umbria. But... As I titled this one, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So who knows? (laughs) Okay. Grazie (inaudible) tanto. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.